This, this is the Blue Horseshoe with your host, George Brummer and Ryan Hickey. And welcome back into the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Colts fans, we have a treat for you each and every Friday leading into the game over the weekend. We'll get you and take you behind enemy lines. Get to know the opponent a little bit, kind of have you a little bit smarter and know what to look for uh, for whoever the Colts do play. Week number one, it is a Texans. We cannot talk Texans without talking to John McLean. Long time. Well-respected reporter uh, covering the Houston Texans. Now does a great job for gallerysports.com. Does a tremendous job for uh, Sports Radio 610 down there in Houston. And host of the Utopia podcast right here on Odyssey. John, welcome into the Blue Horseshoe podcast. Welcome behind enemy lines. We promise we don't bite. Thanks for giving us a few minutes here. It's my pleasure, guys. Thank you for having me. So last year, the Colts dominated both of these matchups uh, against the Texans, 31-3, 31-0. Jonathan Taylor, 288 combined yards in those two games, four touchdowns. The rush defense last year for Houston was a big, big issue. Heading into this year, heading into week number one, have there been any improvements you've seen in training camp or it's still going to be a big liability heading into this season? Well, you can't tell Jack squad about training camp and preseason when they keep so many players out and the opposing teams playing backup linemen and backup running backs. And that's one thing to get excited about. When the season begins, we can see what these teams got planned and who's going to be doing what. You know, the Colts are a good team. I picked them to win the AFC South. And uh, but uh, the Texans are not. You know, I picked them to go six and eleven. They were four and thirteen last year. They had two other games they could have won. Lost to New England by three. Lost to the Titans at the end of the season by three. When the Titans needed to win to get home field advantage, Davis Mills played really well down the stretch. Four games, two and two, beat the Chargers. Really kept them out of the playoffs. And uh, and so. When you think about Davis Mills last year, he had no running game. He had no defense, had a terrible run defense, and they were just awful. And now they're hoping that they have provided him some ammunition with the running game, and they've added new players on defense, an entirely rebuilt secondary led by cornerback Derek Stanley Jr. and safety Jalen Petrie, first and second round picks. Linebackers are the same. And then the defensive line has one new starter, Colts fans know him very well, Jerry Hughes. And Hughes only played about a half in one preseason game against the Niners, against the Niners starters. And he was so quick, he reminded me when he was in high school back in Houston when he was a running back. So I don't know if that's going to translate to being better against the run. They were 31st. Yes, they could be worse. They hope they're better, but I'll believe it when I see it. (laughs) Staying on the defensive side of the ball, uh, obviously, Lovey Smith is a Texas guy from Big Sandy. Uh, he was the coordinator last year. How has he changed going back into that head co- coaching role? What have you seen from him this year? I've known Lovey since he coached defensive backs for Tony Dungy with the Bucks, and I was covering the NFL between the Oilers leaving and the Texans being born. And I was happy that he got the job because this organization was in such turmoil. And the reason was, and it really dated back to March of 19 when Bill O'Brien traded DeAndre Hopkins for a couple of tomato cans. (laughs) And, And then it didn't stop until Lovey Smith was hired. Along the way, Jack Easterby, executive VP of football ops, acquired way too much power. 
and I've been writing and tweeting and talking on my talk shows, he's been emasculated. And somebody said, well, what does that mean? I said, it means he's had his footballs cut off and he's been neutered. And so nobody talks about him anymore. He's not around like he used to. He can't dictate things with the media like he used to. They kicked him off the sideline this year where he'd been for three years. So really he's out of not out of sight, but almost out of mind. And the fact that he's here and he made in conjunction with Bill O'Brien a lot of really bad decisions. And everybody wanted him gone when O'Brien was gone, but the McNair family had faith in him then. They don't now. And so they don't have controversy. They were on the verge of hiring Josh McCown. And Josh McCown, they had to pull the rug out from under him at the last minute. They had Lovey Smith, the associate head coach, defensive coordinator. And Lovey had been helping with the coaching search because he got a lot of contacts. And somebody said, well, now, wait a minute. Let's take a step back here. We're getting killed all over Houston and the country for Josh McCown, who's never coached beyond his high school his son's in high school, and somebody said, what about Lovey? Well, I wrote a column today that's on gallerysports.com, and it's free, 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 no paywall, about Lovey Smith never thinking he's going to get that third opportunity and the burden he carries because he is the first black coach to be head coach of three organizations. And he knows if he helps the Texans rebuild, eventually get to the playoffs, that can open some doors for other minorities. When Lovey was fired in Chicago after a 10-6 and six season, and that was in 2012, we're all thinking, okay, back then more, more, more minorities are going to get head coaching jobs. Tony Dungy beat Lovey Smith in the Super Bowl, first Super Bowl with two black head coaches, but it didn't happen. And so that's a burden he carries, and there's been no controversy. He's kind of like he's kind of like got his hand on the wheel of a ship that's just listing because of wet bad weather and waves halfway up the decks. And and since he took over. Everything has been so calm. Doesn't mean they're going to be good. Doesn't mean they're going to be better. It just means this organization for the first time since they hired Bill O'Brien. Because with Bill, it was always something. And now it's just calm and peaceful during the week. It's funny, John, because the Colts and Texans, I guess, especially going to week number one this year, are kind of similar in the fact that now the Colts have not had the same drama the Texans have had, but they've had their own drama of quarterbacks, of injuries in preseason. And now this is me and George were just talking before. This feels like the first regular season opener where there's actually been it's been a boring training. Camp. There's not a lot to talk about in terms of controversy or injuries or quarterback changes. And it sounds like in Houston, kind of the same thing where Levy Smith has at least settled down the ship and kind of settled this team down outside of just, bringing, let's say, more competency to the organization. Anything else you've been seeing, whether it's, you know, more discipline, better time management, you can kind of see or uh, going into this year, maybe especially early on in week number one? Uh, Nick Casario heads the organization. He has final say on every personnel decision. He and Lovey work together really well. I wrote a column about that this week, that they finally have some stability at the top of the organization for the first time since Gary Kubiak was here. Because as soon as Bill O'Brien got here, he tried to get rid of general manager Rick Smith. Then he got his hand-picked general manager. Brian Gain didn't like him, got rid of him. Before Jack Easterby backstabbed O'Brien and got him out of here. So Lovey is a proven coordinator who, 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 
did a great job last year of forcing more turnovers. Now, he plays a lot of zone. He always says he wants his players looking at the ball, not having his back turned. And so I would think they had 25 last year. They should get that or more because they have a few more talented players on defense than they did. And um, I don't – you know, maybe the Colts will blow them out like they did the last two. I'm sure Frank Reich would just like to win his first regular season opener and uh, especially get that bad taste of the Jacksonville game out of their mouth, and that should linger until they win a game, and they should be able to start successfully against the Texans, and then we'll see after that. And uh, I think uh, I'm writing a column tomorrow from my radio station's website on the two quarterbacks having a lot of pressure on them, but for different reasons. And I looked it up. When Matt Ryan was the first pick in 08 draft, Davis Mills was a Falcon fan in Atlanta who was 10 years old. And that's going to be the lead on my column. And so you, Mills played really well last year. Ryan did not. And it was because he didn't have any weapons other than rookie tight end Kyle Pitts. He had no running game. He didn't have Julio Jones, who didn't do squat at Tennessee. And then uh, Calvin Ridley had uh, mental issues, and now he's suspended for the year. But Ryan didn't have his top receivers, and now he comes there with Jonathan Taylor. He's got to feel like he died and went to heaven. I think that's true. From talking with Matt Ryan, I, I think that's a pretty accurate statement. Uh, you mentioned a guy earlier that's really of interest to me. I thought Derek Stingley was one of the most interesting guys in this draft. Uh, you can make the argument when he was a freshman at LSU, he was the best defensive back in the nation that year. Uh, next couple of years didn't go quite as he planned. What have you seen from him? He seems like from the outside, he's he's been a pretty mature guy. He he got a Liz Frank injury and had to have surgery. That's what happened to him after that freshman year. And when they used the third overall pick, only the third cornerback in history to be taken third overall, took him over Cincinnati's Sauce Gardner. Uh, they gave it. They had a plan for him physically to bring him through the OTAs, training camp, preseason and designed to get him where he could play most of this game against the Colts. And if you're the third overall pick, you're gifted, and you're supposed to be a superstar, not right off the bat. And he's going to he's gonna give up plays because they all do. And the key is how does he bounce back? And when he was a freshman, they said he could have played in the NFL then for that unbeaten team under Coach O. And people like him here. He looks the part. He sounds the part. He's got good size and speed. And he played a little in three, three in two of the three games. And now people here are hungry to see what's going to happen when he gets to play a whole lot more. And he and Jalen Petrie from my alma mater, Baylor, Petrie went in the second round, Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. How many players coming to the NFL who are really good who stay in college five years? Maybe not none, but Petrie did while he's there. He got a master, started working on a doctorate. Now he's in his hometown, and I can't tell you how much I respect that guy. Those two should be starting here for a long time. Key is the other guys in the secondary, Jonathan Owens, whose claim to fame has been he's Simone Biles' fiance. I make jokes that someday they're going to say Simone Biles, Jonathan Owens' wife, and Steven Nelson, with his fourth team in seven years, he starts opposite Stingley. And so they're going to, if I'm Matt Ryan, I'm coming out, I'm going to test them early and often deep, even if it's incomplete, to let them know this is what we're going to do, because that's going to open up play action for Taylor. And if I'm the Texans, I 
some people say here, well, let Taylor get his yards and stop everything else. That's not a game plan. Game plans, as you guys know, coaches say, well, we got to stop the run. They're not going to stop Taylor. They got to contain him. They got to keep him from rushing for 145 yards with an 87-yard gain and scoring four touchdowns. That is first and foremost. In preseason, they led the NFL in sacks by a long shot. It doesn't mean anything, of course, but they rushed the quarterback with a four-man front, seldom blitz. And that's another reason Lovey Smith wants a lot of turnovers. He's got a lot of guys in coverage. And so if they could get pressure against a good offensive line, which is doubtful with their four-man front, that would help alleviate some of the pressure that would come from Ryan trying to throw the ball downfield. Good thing is at least they know where Matt Ryan's going to be in the pocket, but they knew where Carson Wentz was going to be, and he killed him. If, if Wentz had played against every team like he played against the Texans, not only would he be back in Indianapolis, he'd have been first-team All-Pro. <laughs> They were right on his finger possibly too there, Johnny. Like you said, those two games last year, he was tremendous. Flip side of the ball here for the Texans and offense. The name I've been hearing almost all training camp that's been popping off, Damian Pierce, rookie out of Florida running back. The Colts, look, it's training camps. We've, you know, all three of us on the same page here. You got to take it with a grain of salt. The Colts' rush defense has been an issue for sure. With him, with, with Pierce kind of blowing up so far in training game, what have you seen from him early on? And how big of a problem is he going to pose to the league this year, and especially week number one? When he was drafted in the fourth round, I immediately said on my talk show, I th- said he would threaten Steve Slayton's 2008 rookie rushing re- record of the Texans, 1,221 yards. And my calls looked at me like, what in the world are you talking about? Well, it wasn't because of me. It was because of two or three NFL people who went to Florida who watched every game and just railed at Dan Mullen because they wouldn't give him the ball more. He started one game last year, started only 11 in his career, kind of like Davis Mill at Stanford started 11. But Pierce was really good when he played. And I wrote this week in a column for gallerysports.com, the reason Dan Mullen is in an analyst role at ESPN was because I mishandled Damian Pearson, his quarterback, Anthony Richardson, and which people saw in the Gators' first victory uh, Saturday night. And so Pierce is a is – a, he's 218, he's 5'10", he runs low, and he's really quick at cutting. And he didn't get to play in the preseason with three of his starting offensive linemen. Now, he only carried the ball 11 times, but he averaged 7.8 yards carry without the benefit – of a long run and he moves people. And so people here are fired up because they haven't had a thousand yard rusher since Carlos Hyde in 19, but he had a thousand and seventy. And today getting a thousand yards isn't a big deal. To me, with 17 games, you ought to be getting at least twelve hundred. And so the last time they had a legitimate runner here was was Arian Foster. And you guys remember well his coming out party when the Texans beat the Colts here, and he rushed for, I think, over 200 yards. Now, I'm not saying Damian Pierce is going to be Arian Foster because he had a five-year stretch in which he was magnificent, never had less than 1,200 yards, and but he's good. And I think the Colts know it from watching him on tape. We saw it in preseason. Lovey Smith and Nick Casario have tried everything except locking him in a closet to try to, to dampen 
the media, fan, and social media enthusiasm for Damian Pierce because he's just a rookie with 11 starts in college and 11 carries in preseason. But I can tell from doing this for the last 48 years, the kid's going to be good if he stays healthy. And their offensive line, which is should, will only have uh, one new starter against the Colts, but they'll get to see second number one pick guard Kenyon Green come in at some point. Only reason he's not starting is he had a concussion that allowed him to only play one preseason game, but he'll come in. And Pierce is going to be good. But you know what? Unless they can throw the ball, they're going to face eight-man fronts. I just wonder from an outside, you know, on someone looking on from the outside, what do you see from this Colts team? What are your expectations for them this year? Two-team race again. And I would say if the Colts want to win the division, they better beat Jacksonville. And I say this about them. I think Matt Ryan is going to make a difference. I don't know what the problem was there with Carson Wentz, but obviously behind the scenes, the guy was what they thought he was at Philadelphia, Frank Reich. Whatever he developed into, obviously Frank Reich and Chris Ballard weren't prepared for it, and now he's gone. And Ron Rivera thinks, well, just because they couldn't do it doesn't mean I can't do it. But Ryan has always been a great team guy. He's tough. You know he's got a lot to prove coming off of his worst season since I think his rookie year when they were 11-5. and five. And, and I'm sure like other quarterbacks, he wants to play into his 40s. And I think he's going to make a heck of a difference as long as Taylor stays healthy. What what I'm curious in, I always liked Jack Doyle. I always thought Jack Doyle is like that name should be an arm breaker on the docks in New York for unions or guys that are loan sharks. I just thought Jack Doyle. Now, Jack's gone. He used to torment the Texans. The, the guy that this is his second home is no longer around, T.Y. Hilton. So I'm eager to see what they're going to do with Stingley and Pittman. Do they have Stingley cover him all over the field? I'm guessing no, not right off the bat when he played so little in preseason. But you got to think if you contain him, their next leading receivers have been running back. And uh, that's where the linebackers come in. So I, I think as long as Ryan stays healthy, and the defense stays relatively healthy. Texans would love Shaquille Leonard to have missed miss this game. And when they found out he's going to be healthy, that's not good because you guys, guys know how great he is, and he's had some big games against the Texans. But I think it's come down to injuries. Titans lost their best pass rusher, Harold Landry. They lost their best receiver, A.J. Brown. That has to have an effect on a team. But I do think this, whoever wins this division has got a good chance to host playoff games because I think the AFC West, they'll beat the hell out of each other. And the and the home field advantage will not come out of the AFC West. Let's wrap it up with this, John. Maybe finish my sentence if possible. The Texans win on Sunday if. The Colts get food poisoning <laughs> at their hotel. And Jonathan Taylor, Shaquille Leonard, Matt Ryan, Michael Pittman, and DeForest Buckner can't play because of food poisoning. Well, one thing to watch out, John, Nick Cross is his 21st birthday on Saturday night. George was saying, you know, maybe keep an eye out on, on the Houston bars. Maybe there's a big 21st birthday party that, you know, goes too late in the night. And they, that, that could be a big key to watch out for. 
Yeah, Joe Grosley, yeah, a lot of great gentlemen's clubs here that stay <laughs> that stay open till about 4 a.m. I don't know. People have told me that. But uh, it's a great city for partying. But I don't see any way the Texans can beat the Colts, and I don't care if Frank, Frank Reich hadn't won a regular season opener. He's going to do it now because the Colts are a division contender for that title, and the Texans – are trying to avoid picking among the top three or four again. Most people here are picking them with five or six victories. Well, see, I told you we didn't bite. Thank you for coming and kind of behind enemy lines there, John, and previewing this game for us. It's my pleasure, guys. Thank you very much for having me, and good luck to the Colts this season, and Frank and Chris and Jim Ursay. By the way, Jim Ursay sent me the nicest thing. I retired from the Houston Chronicle March 31st, and I did it so I could get my pension and I could start doing commercials at my radio station. And then I had another writing job pop up. But Jim sent me the nicest note of football, a Colts football, congratulating me on 47 years at the Chronicle. It was such a class act, and I appreciate it so much. And I respect Jim and what he's achieved with the Colts just so much. So I want to say thank you to Jim and Matt Connie, one of my favorite PR people in the NFL. Matt sent you a guitar, huh? <laughs> he did not send me <laughs> one of those collector's items that Jim's got locked in storage somewhere. Although if he knew I was in a band when I was young, maybe he would. Well, we got to let Jim know. Let him know. Hey, next time, send the guitar over. Thank you so much, John. Guys, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Enjoy the season. Thanks a lot. You too. An interesting footnote from John there, George, was Damian Pierce. Like, like this has been a name in fantasy circles and kind of the, the national NFL talk as really one of the most impressive rookies of all the NFL so far. He's already taken over the number one uh, running back role. This is a guy that I think does post a really nice test for the Colts right away because like we've talked about the rush defense question marks. It's nice that even though it's the Texans and they're not filled with talent and you hear John not being very optimistic, especially week number one, but it's still a nice test right away to see where this Colts rush defense truly does stand up. Yeah. You know, and then the, the one question and he kind of alluded to it is about Shaq Leonard and that's going to factor into this, you know, is he going to play? Is he not on Thursday? He was limited. What does that mean? You know, we're going to read into that probably all the way up till Sunday. So, or at least whatever day they announce his status. Uh, but it's, yeah, I think the run defense is is something that's been in question throughout this, this preseason. And it's something that is going to get a real test. And, and we've seen, the Texans take these quote-unquote unheralded running backs. He mentioned Arian Foster. He was undrafted, and he chose mm-hmm. Houston because he looked at that depth chart. He thought he could make a difference. Had a career that was so good that Jonathan Taylor mentions him a lot when he's talking about the guys he watched when he was younger. Absolutely. That's that's one of the goals of the Colts this week. Don't let Damian Pierce become the next Arian Foster. That is for sure. 